Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Samuel chapter number one, we find verse number one. The Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives, and the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, went she up to the house of the Lord. So she provoked her, therefore she wept, and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? <coughs> So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it shall come to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, therefore Eli thought that she, thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered in said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did Eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Then they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, uh, knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, 
because I have asked him of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer together and we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us tonight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come in, we come before your throne one more time. Thank you, Lord, for another good Sunday that you've given us in the house of God. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in this morning service and how you spoke to hearts. And thank you, Lord, for what you've already done in this service. God, I, I thank you for uh, the hymns that we've had and the youth choir that sang. And Lord God, the special song about how faithful you are. And God, we are so thankful that you are a God that has great uh, faithfulness, Lord. And you're faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you. And Lord God, I pray that you would help our faithfulness to you mirror as much as humanly possible your faithfulness to us. Help us, Lord. I know we'll never get there uh, in these bodies of flesh. God, we're not perfect as you are. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to strive for spiritual maturity and to try to live a life that is more faithful to you, uh, Lord, than it's not. And Father, I pray, dear God, that you'd help that to be a desire of our heart. Father, I pray for these next few moments that you'd forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit, use me for your glory. Help me, God, as I try to preach these truths and out of these verses, I pray, dear God, that the message would be your message for your people. God, that you'd anoint it and touch it as only you can. I pray that the sweet Holy Ghost of God would take these words and take, Lord, this message. And Lord, I pray that you would implant it in the hearts of your people. May the Word of God come alive and may it become real to us this evening. May, Lord, your Word find a fertile ground in each of our heart and may it become a burden upon our life and a serious truth, God, that we must consider and we must be uh, submissive and obedient to. May you do the work that only you can. May sinners be saved. May lives be changed. May the people of God be helped and fed. And may every backslider do business with what you have spoken to them in getting their heart right with you today. And Father, we'll thank you, Lord, for what you do. Get glory to yourself, I pray. And Lord, I pray that Jesus would be exalted and glorified and extolled in this place during this time as never before. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all. In the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. This morning I mentioned when we came here to 1 Samuel chapter number 1, uh, we encountered this interesting family. A man by the name of Elkanah, his two wives, Hannah and Penina, the children of Penina, and then this uh, woman, Hannah, that the Bible says has no children. And it's interesting as to why she has no children. And we'll look at that uh, some in just a moment. But the Bible says here that the one thing that she wanted was for God to give her a son. Uh, she wanted God specifically to give her a man child, a boy, a son. And she begs the Lord for it. We mentioned this morning that she was not off, she was not asking even a selfish prayer. She was not, uh, not making this petition of the Lord that uh, she may have something even for herself. She wanted this child that the Bible said that she may give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. This was a lady we saw this morning that was a redeemed woman. She was a remarkable woman with a remarkable faith saved by the grace of God with a great faith in God that caused her to be steadfast despite great trials. And the Bible also says that she is a remembered woman. Her one request of the Lord in asking for that son was that God would remember her. And the Bible says in verse 
verse number 19, that the Lord did in fact remember her. And so I want us to see and discover in these verses what Hannah discovered. You say, preacher, what did Hannah discover? Well, Hannah discovered that the God that was her God and the God that she was his handmaid and his servant is a God that remembers. And so we are continuing that thought tonight on the God that remembers. Let me say this, when she discovered him to be a God that remembers, number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, she discovered him to be a God that remembers problems. Amen. We talked about the heartbreak of uh, Hannah this morning, about how her heart is broken because she wants a son. Well, uh, the reason why she is in that condition where the Bible says uh, there in uh, verse number 15, uh, that she is a woman of a sorrowful uh, spirit, where the Bible says there in verse number 10, that she was in bitterness of soul, and she prays unto the Lord, weeping sore, the Bible says. The reason for all of that emotion in her life, and all of that emotional agony in her life is because she was a woman that knew what it was to experience problems. The Bible tells us about three great and horrific problems that Hannah experienced in her life. And she, due to these problems, is begging God to remember her, to mark her, to make sure that he does not forget about her or what she is going through. The first problem is this, that she is that, number one, she was barren. The Bible says, notice this now, I, to, to me as I read, these are, these are words that uh, get me in my, in my heart to read verse number 5 and 6. Notice here why Hannah was barren. The Bible says in verse number 5, But Hannah, unto Hannah, he, speaking about Elkanah, her husband, gave her a worthy portion, gave her a good portion. The Bible says, for he loved Hannah. She had the love of her husband. But look at what she did not have. We know she didn't have a child, but here's why. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse number 6, the Bible says, And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. This barrenness in Hannah's life was because God allowed it to be that way. Do you realize that the problems that most Christians struggle with the most are the, it's the idea that they're going through what they go through through and they know according to this Bible that we have a God that sees all and a God that is above all and a God that can do anything that he chooses to do but that same God that brings things into our life can also take things out of our life and the fact that bothers them is knowing that there are times that God sometimes will bring us into a trial in our life and then there's other times that God will allow us to go through storms. By the way, those are two completely different things. Amen. There are some things that God brings into our life, and it's His choice, and He brings those in our direction and sends those trials in our direction. And there's sometimes that there are just simply things that happen in life that are beyond our control. But a God who can change it decides not to. 
It's not that he sent it your way, but sometimes he allows it to come into your life. Here we find that it is the Lord's choice that she is going through this problem. The Lord had been the one that shut up her womb. When God, uh, when Hannah, amen, was getting to the place to be able to bear children, God put a stop on that ability in her life. This issue, I'll say, is one that many women in God's Word face as well as in our day today. I will say this, if you study what the Bible says about barren women, if you look, it, it's a hard thing, it's a sad thing, but usually in the Bible where if there was a woman that was barren, there was also a God that was about to do a miracle in a barren womb. Amen. Now God doesn't always do that. There are some today and, and I know people, I, 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 I've, I've talked to people in the past who have not been able to have children and they look at those that hate God and they look at those that don't want to serve God. I, we have one of our missionaries uh, where that was, uh, uh, that was a testimony in their life. I'm not going to embarrass them and share uh, which one it is, amen, but we have one of our missionaries that we've taken on in the last couple of years and that is him and his, him and his wife's uh, situation where they have been told they're not able to have children and they have testified to me preacher uh, there have been times in our past when we look at those who wouldn't raise their kids the way that we raise our, would raise our kids and they wouldn't have them in church and they wouldn't have them serving the Lord and they'd be pointing them to the things of the world and God lets them have multiple children a family that we would look at and say they probably shouldn't even have children if that's the way they're going to steer their life and God has chosen for us not to have children and has given children to them, I'd say that's a problem. I'd say that's heartbreaking. And if you want me to answer, to give you the answers for all of the why that God does that, I can give that to you. I know according to this Bible that we have a God that is able to turn that situation around if he chooses to, uh, to make it a thing of the past. But there are just sometimes that God, for whatever reason, that only he can know, chooses not to do those things. This missionary I'm talking to you about has, has because of that, they've spent much of their ministry prior to going to the mission field in youth ministries. And what they have done is they have taken other people's children and they loved on other people's children and ministered to other people's children. They have made those, in a sense, their babies and those that they minister to, not to take the parents' role. But y'all know just as well as I do, there's a lot of families out there that'll drop their kids off to church. And spiritually speaking, they have uh, no leadership in their life. And these missionaries, while they were working in youth ministry in their home church, were able to take those young people and invest in them when nobody else was able to or would have. God has a reason. God has a plan. We do not know what the, what, the, what the ministry God has for them on their field. It very well could be if they had a family of their own in the hard mission field that they're going to, it would be a hard place to raise a child that will love the Lord and serve the Lord. And maybe God knowing what he knows would rather just not give them children than children that may go, grow up and go to hell. Simply their mission field may need more of them. 
and if they're given their time to having a family, they may not be able to give all of their service to the Lord. We do realize that the Lord does work in that way. That was the reason why in, the, in uh, Paul's epistles, he would not let Paul be married because he said that, uh, that in, uh, in just layman's terms, Paul said if he was married, he would have to give so much of himself to a wife and he wouldn't be able to give it all for the ministry. We don't know why God does what he does. Would it have hurt Paul not to have a wife? Amen. To have a wife, would it have hurt uh, Paul? Not necessarily. There's no sin in not having a wife, but it would have been a sin for Paul. Why? Because it wasn't God's will. We don't know why God does what He does. And friend, it'll be a glad day in your life when you surrender to the fact that you and I living in this world will not always know the why of the thing, why God does what He does. It'll be a glad day in your life and mine when we stop trying to put God in our own box of our understanding and try to dot all the T's and cross all the I's and understand why God does everything that He does. If I, 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 I like to try try to, I like to think that I'm a pretty smart person, amen. I like to think that I have some level of intelligence, amen. Uh, but even, uh, even as much smart as I like to think that I am, amen, I'm telling you, there's no way in this world that if God is a true uh, God, amen, if he really is who he is, that no, no matter how brilliant someone may be, if he's God, we'll never, we'll never come to the end of understanding Understanding who he is and his mind and why he does what he does. I don't know about you, but I can't run the universe. I have a hard time running my own family. Amen. I have a hard enough time trying to keep up, amen, with, uh, with our, uh, with pastor in a Baptist church. Amen. I have a hard time just doing in the, uh, handling the small sphere of influence God has given me. I have a hard time trying to be a good friend that I need to be and to be a good minister. Mentor uh, to some uh, folks that God has given me in my life to do that and to be an encouragement to other young pastors that I know. I don't always do all those things as good as I can. And you don't want me running the universe. I probably wouldn't want you running the universe. You know why God is the one in charge of this thing? He's the only one that can be in charge of this thing. And if he's able to run the universe, amen, then that means he has got more for me to understand about him than I'd ever be able to understand, amen, if I could live a hundred lifetimes, amen. We've got to understand God is God. God deals with things that we could never understand. The Bible said His ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts are greater, higher than our thoughts, greater than our thoughts. Amen. God's level of thinking is not on the same plane as ours. His level of understanding is not on the same plane as ours. We need to get to the place where we, where we will resolve to be ourselves and be what God created us to be and let God be God instead of trying to be God ourselves. Hannah here, we do not find her questioning why God had done this in her life. She simply goes before the Lord with a broken heart and asks Him for what she desires and she leaves the rest with Him. Notice what, the, notice what she says in verse number 11. 
The Bible says, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts. Notice this word. By the way, this two-letter word is a massive word, and I believe we all ought to incorporate it in our prayer life. If. You know what she's doing when she uses the word if? She's giving God the option to say no. She's not demanding anything of the Lord. By the way, there are a lot of folks that say, well, I'm going to tell God this, and I'm, friend, we don't need to be doing that. Who are we to tell God what he's supposed to do? I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but the Bible does say that every art, when we pray, we are supposed to give our requests to the Lord. You know what that means? It means that we're removing ourselves from the, from the position of being able to demand anything of the Lord. At best, all we can do is request. What she's doing here is she is requesting God. She's begging God to see her need, to see her barrenness, and to do what he sees fit with it. We do not know why she is facing this. We do not know why other ladies are facing this great problem. But one thing is certain, for those that are experiencing Experiencing this, it is a problem that is very, very painful to deal with. The emotional stress of this problem for a lady oftentimes seems too heavy to bear. At the beginning of her life story, we see that it is mentioned in verse number two that Hannah had no children. In this I see that God is allowing us to see Hannah's heart. And I say this because even though it's not directly stated in this phrase, uh, you can't convince me that a godly saved woman wants to remain the wife out of the two for her husband that has no children. As she prays, she's asking God to give her a child that she may give it to the Lord. Here we see Hannah in her life, in her ability to produce children is barrenness. And I can say this, and by the way, ladies, I mentioned this to Miss Wendy this morning. When I, when I mention something about ladies, I always run it by that lady back there just to see, amen, if I'm even somewhere on the right track, amen. I'm not a lady, never have been. Aren't you glad I know that, amen? A lot of men don't know that now. Amen. Uh, but I'm not a lady. I've never been a lady. And so I have to ask that lady before I start just talking off the hip about what applies to ladies. Amen. <laughs> but I believe I can say this with all honesty that her as a wife, her being the wife that has no children, and she knows that she cannot have children. She no doubt she has tried and tried and tried. And as far as she's concerned, it's not happening. I, I doubt she knows that God had shut up her womb. I doubt she knows any of that. There was not the medical technology that we have today where doctors are able to see and to make such declarations. But in her life, every time she tries and she wants to have a baby, when it comes to her relationship between her husband, I wonder if Hannah thought that it at this point, her life has become barren. Not just her womb, but I will say this, when it comes to, when it comes to a lady, especially one that wants children, and that's in their heart, I think about my wife, I think about many of your wives. Ladies, is it not true that when a, wife, when, when a woman has a baby, those babies become essentially what defines her life? 
my, my wife, her whole existence just about, yes, she loves God and she serves the Lord. Yes, she's my wife, but there's not, we, I don't know if any of y'all were like this, but me and her can't even go anywhere by herself That's right. without the babies. That's right. Because when we do, all we talk about is the babies. <laughs> Amen. It defines our life. It is, when you think about your children, when God gave me and my wife our three babies, that is the product of our life, the product of our marriage together, those three babies that God gives us. That is her world. Now, there's a lot of, my, she's, my, she's a big part of my world. Those babies are a big part of my world. You are a very big part of my world. But I'll say this, when it comes to those babies, amen, they're a big, I would say, and I hate to say this, but y'all know what I mean. They're a much bigger part of her world than they are mine. When they need something, very seldom do they ever come. Daddy, daddy, daddy. <laughs> I'm usually the one they come to, usually the one that Maisie comes to, once Mama said no. <laughs> she's one year old and she's already got that figured out and she'll come and wrap those arms around me and I can tell by that approach, your Mama said no, didn't she? <laughs> I'm usually number two. When they need something, it's usually that lady back there, Mama, Mama, Mama. I don't remember which child it was the other day. I think it was Wyatt. It may either yesterday or today. I told him, I said, son, give your mama a break. I said, if I hear you say mama one more time, you're going to be in trouble. Give that woman a break. That's how they are. They, want, they, they just want mama all the time. Can you imagine being Hannah? One thing she wants is a baby. One thing she wants is just to be able to give a baby to her husband and to be able to give that baby to the Lord. And she cannot give that to her husband. She cannot give that to the Lord. The one thing she wants to do, she can't do. What defines her life is impossible to her. Can I ask you this this evening? When it comes to your life, are you going through a season in your life to where you feel like you just, you've asked yourself, I wonder if my life is making much of a difference. Oh, it's my, I wonder, it just when I look at my influence, when I look at what my life is producing, I see nothing but barrenness. If that's the way you feel, you feel you're in good company because that's the way Hannah felt. She had a problem that she was barren. But can I remind you, if that's the way that you feel, you feel like no fruit will come out of your life, you have a barren life. Can I just simply remind you what 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, would you agree with me that barrenness is a position of weakness in her heart and life? Can I remind you what Paul, what, what the Lord Jesus told the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9? He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect, made complete, if you will, in weakness most gladly. Therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You trust in the grace of God in your moments of weakness and you let God make out of your life what he wants to make out of your life. She was barren. That was problem number one. Problem number two, she was belittled. Look at verse number six. The Bible says, and her adversary, this is speaking about Panana here. 
Her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because I will say this, that word because makes this whole verse hit different. Why is she being belittled? Why is Panana become an adversary? Why is she being provoked sore? Why is she being made to fret? Because the Lord had shut up her womb. Panina here out of jealousy begins to mock Hannah for being barren. Can I say this to me? That is the epitome of human wickedness in regards to a woman. You can't get any more hateful, especially as a lady, as a woman rather, I don't want to say a lady, amen, but as a woman, and especially a woman with kids at that, to have them yourself and look at another woman and mock her for not being able to have. I would imagine if the mocking it came from her husband, it might would be a little different than from a lady who has children. And Penina was able, and we don't see this here in the text, but I believe it's the heart of this verse where, where Penina, out of that jealousy, and, and I say jealousy because if you look at the verse, what is it, the verse that, uh, let me see your Bible, Brother, Brother Stacy. Where's it at? Verse number five, the verse right before it, verse six. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion. Verse four, Elkanah gave Panina and to her sons and her daughters portions. Not a worthy portion, but a portion. Verse number five says that he gave her a worthy portion. Why? For he loved Hannah. I think we see here a, Ra a Rachel and Leah situation. Jacob had an eye for Rachel that he didn't have for Leah. Right. I think here we see that Elkanah has, a, has an eye for Hannah that he didn't have for Penina, but Penina is giving him all of his children. He gives her a worthy portion. I think, I think Penina is jealous of the love that Elkanah has given to Hannah. And she, out of jealousy, is going to Hannah. And the, 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 the sad thing about it is, if you look, when does the mockery take place? Verse 7, as he did so year by year, as Elkanah did every year, the Bible said when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. It would be one thing if she was just mocking her at home. But the mockery is taking place as they go to the house of God. I wonder if Penina not only is coming before Hannah and has those babies with her and, and, say, and looks, at, looks at Hannah and says, look what I can give to our husband. Look, I wonder if this is going to the house of God, whether she says things like this. Look at how God has blessed me. God must not really care about you or be concerned about you because God's given me these babies to give to my husband and God hasn't given you anything to give to our husband. On the way, I, think, I mean, I, I can't even express how horrible that is to wait till they're going to church 
to begin to mock. And by the way, is that not the way that the devil works? Yeah. Yeah. The hardest day of the week for me is Sundays and Wednesdays. What about you? When, 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 when I, if there's going to be a problem in my week, it's going to be before I go to church, on the way to church. I've seen so many times, even as pastor here within our own congregation, there's many folks that aren't able to make it here on Wednesday nights. And part of the reason is because the devil and the forces of hell has thrown everything in his toolbox at them all Wednesday night. And they fought it, and they fought it, and they fought it, and it just hinders their attendance. Keeps them from getting here. You know why? Because there's something that God wants for them when they come. And every single one of us need that Wednesday night prayer meeting to keep on going and to have that recharge in the middle of the week. Amen. devil doesn't want you to have that. He wants to interrupt you when you go to church because he wants to hinder your worship. He wants to hinder what you're going to get when you go to the house of the Lord. And here we find Hannah. She makes it to the house of God. She has been belittled. She has, she has, uh, been, uh, she has been mocked in a way that is as horrible as hell itself. But when we, she gets to the house of God, instead of being mad and retaliating, and returning uh, and to returning words of mockery and words that are not pleasing to the Lord instead of returning Penina's ungodly words with more ungodly words of her own. The Bible does not record Hannah speaking to Penina. You know what it does record? Hannah speaking to the Lord. I see there a great lesson in how we handle our interrelational problems with mankind. Don't talk to that person about it if they're hateful to you and ungodly to you. You do not have to talk to them and retaliate in some kind of ungodly way if you cannot handle that and have a kind word to say. That's fine. Just talk to God. He's keeping a record anyway. He's keeping a better record than we are. So many of us will keep records about our relationships with other people and all the things they've done against us so long it hinders the life, the joy, and the happiness that we get to have in this life. When we just give it to God and trust that He's keeping a record, you can have a happier life if you'll turn it over to Him. You can have more joy in life if you just turn it over to Him. You can serve God in a greater way if you get rid of the bitterness and you just give it to God. The Bible says this about Hanina's belittling of Hannah. I would say that it is disobedient to the heart of the Scriptures. Amen. Psalm 19 verse 14. The psalmist said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength. Psalm 35 28 says, In my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. By the way, if we're speaking of his righteousness, his righteousness and his praise all the day long, guess what we don't have time to talk about? I'm talking, if we're talking about that all day, we don't have time to retaliate. We don't have a moment to fuss and gripe and complain. And I know I'm preaching to myself just as much as I am anybody in here. We all struggle with that. Amen. We all struggle with the ideas of feeling cheated. Feeling that we've been done wrong. That we've been treated in a way that is less than what we deserve. But can I put this in great perspective for all of us? It's not less than what we deserve. 
When you, somebody looks down to you, you can't say, I deserve better than that because all of us on our best day with the greatest amount of righteousness in our life, we still deserve nothing but the hottest part and the darkest part of the lake of fire. All I deserve in this life is my spot in hell. Can I say this this evening? I'm glad God does not give us what we deserve. Amen. You may look at your situation and say, God's not fair. Can I say this? Hallelujah to God. He's not fair. If God was fair, I wouldn't be in hell and so would you. Amen. For what the crimes that I committed called sin against his darling son, I deserve to be there with my back broke this evening. But thank God he's not fair. Amen. Psalm has said, Psalm 141.3, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the doors of my lips. How many mornings do we wake up and say, God, put a watch before my mouth? Proverbs 4.24 says, put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse or, or perverse lips. Put away uh, from thee words that are going against what's right and true. Anything that you'll say that's not right. So God says, put those kind of lips far from thee. Proverbs 10.11 says, the mouth of a righteous man, listen to this, is a well of life. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. James 1.26, in my opinion, one of the most convicting verses in all the Bible, says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, you don't have a control over what you say, you don't, you don't control your lips, your mouth, your tongue well, what you say. The Bible said, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain, worthless, it's no, it's no, it's no, of, of no use to you to try to be a religious person, to try to live in such a way where people look at you as a religious, a, a righteous person. If you can't even guard and, and you can't even bridle your own tongue, if you don't have a control over this, you don't, you don't, you don't need to claim to be very much for the Lord. Your righteousness will show up here in one of the first ways it will ever show up in our lives. Ephesians 4, 29 sums it all up. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. What is supposed to proceed out of your mouth? He said, But that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I submit to you tonight that Penina had no intention of edifying Hannah. She had no intention of building her up in any kind of a way, encouraging her in any kind of a way. She shows her pride in her mocking of Hannah. She acted as if her ability to have children would make her better than Hannah or would make her more of a woman than Hannah or more a greater of a wife than Hannah because she was able to have children. She acted as if it would make Elkanah love her more because uh, she punished and belittled Hannah. Uh, this must have uh, made Hannah feel as if she was no use to her husband. She can't even give him children. And I'll say this to you this evening. As we consider these words of Penina, let me make this statement. I hope I can get an amen when I say this. You and I will never know the true effect of our words. 
James 3, 5 says this, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And notice this now, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Did you realize that inside of your mouth there is a, there is a, complete, there's a completely other world inside of your mouth? It's a world of iniquity. And notice this, the Bible says, so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And notice this statement in James 5 verse 6, and it, speaking about the tongue, is set on fire of hell. Hell will use this more than probably just about any member on your body. It's set on fire of hell. It, it will leave a devastation in its wake. It will destroy lives. It will destroy a person's emotional constitution. There are people who have killed themselves and ended their own lives because someone injured them with their tongue. Hell does not edify, neither does the tongue if it is unbridled. Here we find Panina is not bridling her tongue. Have you been guilty of belittling someone this week? Have you sinned against someone with your mouth? That was the sin of Panina. That caused a great problem in Hannah's life. Not only is she barren, but she's being belittled. And because of all of that, it brings a great burden into her life. Look at verse 7. Verse 1 Samuel chapter number 1 and verse number 7. The Bible said, and so, and as, excuse me, he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord. So she provoked her. Notice this, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Why weepest thou? She's weeping. She says, Why eatest thou not? She's not eating. And why is thy heart grieved? She is grieving at the core of who she is. She's burdened. Verse 9 says, or excuse me, verse 10 says, And she was in bitterness of soul. Her very soul in, in, in its description, who she is on the depths of who uh, of her, of her, uh, of who she is, the depths of her, the Bible said, is in bitterness. Bitterness of soul. She's broken. She's hurt. She prays unto the Lord and she's weeping sore. Weeping sore. That phrase is used so much in the Bible and it, it's used in a sense of she is sobbing uncontrollably. The Hebrew word for weeping sore literally gives the idea of a wail. This is not quiet. She is in emotional distress. You can hear the pain in her cries because of what somebody else has done to her, because of something the Lord has allowed in her life. But we see, and I, I know I've been preaching a while, I know I'm going to have to end here. I said it five years ago, y'all are just so fun to preach to. 
and five years of preaching to you folks, and then all of the rest of you that have come along ever since, that has not changed. She's so burdened. She's in such emotional distress that she gets to the house of the Lord and she prays. That'll be the next point that I'll mention. But let me just say this as we close tonight. She is barren. She feels like no, no fruit, nothing good can come out of her life. She's being belittled. All of what she's being told, all of what's being brought into her life makes her feel like she's of no use to the closest person in her life, her own husband. She feels like there's no purpose in her existence at all. She's under a great burden. And instead of quitting, turning tail and going home, instead of leaving her husband there in church and saying, I'm going to go do something. You can go to church. You can take that woman to church and her kids to church, but I'm not going. Yeah. Even in bitterness of soul and weeping sore, She's not just sitting in a corner weeping, saying, woe is me. She's not just in a corner crying and saying that the sky is falling and there's no hope for me. When she's weeping sore, the Bible says that she calls unto the Lord. Can I encourage you this evening, if you're, in, if you're here this evening, you're going through problems similar to hers, or maybe they're unique to just you. Can I remind you that what the, the solution that Hannah came to is the same solution that you can come to. Don't just stay there and dwell on your problems and say, woe is me. Bring them to the Lord. That is what Hannah did. And when she found out that God is a God that remembers, she discovered him to be a God that remembers problems. She discovered him to be a God that would take your barrenness, that would take your belittling, that would take your burdens and anything else you have and he will take them on himself and take them from you. I quoted this morning, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. But may I also remind you, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He goes on to say, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think many of you have spent, probably spent enough time around farming to know what a yoke is. Usually a yoke means that you're going to have two animals plowing side by side in each side of the yoke. Usually you'll have that, that yoke filled and there's a balance to when you've got the animals doing what they're supposed to do. If you take one out of the yoke, it's not going to work. Here's what Jesus is saying. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, we can be that one on the one side of the yoke. Sometimes if you can have a big ox, you can put just about anything on the other side. As long as it's big enough to make up the yoke, it doesn't have to do very much of the work as long as the guy on the other side's big enough. That's the way we are. God said, get in my yoke. 
it's easy for you. It's light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. God, in other words, I said that to say this. What Jesus is saying in that verse is that He is the one that's going to do all the heavy lifting. You just got to make, you got to make the decision to make up the yoke. You've got to make the decision to get in the yoke with God and let Him do the heavy lifting in your life. And I promise you this, He'll do it. You know why He'll do it? Because He told you to take His yoke upon you. He wants you to give it to Him. He wants for you to know what it is for the burden that you're carrying to be light off of your shoulders. He wants you to know what it is for Him to carry the, 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 the burden that you have. Give it to Him today. He's a God that remembers problems. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done preaching this morning, this evening. Amen. I said evening. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. <laughs>